For many of us growing up in the 80s and 90s, television provided a sense of stability. In some cases, TV families served in place of our own. Not only did these surrogate TV families keep us latchkey kids company, they taught us some pretty important lessons along the way. In this episode of the show, we pick some fictional father figures to go head to head in an all out brawl to see who's crowned the best TV dad ever. Don't make us turn this car around. This is Way Back Attack. Welcome to Wayback Attack. My name is Brian Grantham, and sitting across the family table of lessons is Preston Burt. Preston, are you ready to tell me some really cheesy jokes? Uh, I'm not a great dad joke teller, so I don't have much like on hand, mm. but I do enjoy a good dad joke. Yeah, I um I am real bad with the um. My kids are always telling me they're hungry and me being like, well, I'm daddy. Nice to meet you. Oh, no. You're one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because, like, my my dad didn't ha- didn't do dad jokes, really, that I can ever recall. But my, my ex-stepdad was full of them. So. Yeah. Well, I, dad, like, dad jokes weren't really a thing when we were kids. Mm-hmm. They were just corny jokes. Right. And every dad tells, you know, a corny joke or is goofy, but... Um, like the brand didn't exist right. now now it's like you know a rite of passage almost mm-hmm. <laughs> well we're closer together that's right <laughs> i i've sent, spent so long being so far away from you and then i didn't get to see you for so long i figured look we need to make up for lost time and just get closer together and, yeah and bond it has been a very long time because i think the last time we saw each other was when we recorded that's right yeah so like two months ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> you live uh you, you live a few minutes away but we just don't you know mm-hmm. we had christmas and we had other things uh, popping up but i'm glad to be back me too and i'm glad to be talking about tv dads well um there was something since we didn't do a christmas episode i did have something i was gonna oh that no episode. i think last year you got me and uh and so this year i would get you <laughs> oh my word i was not expecting anything and Oh my word! Okay. Oh, can you see? Let's see. Check it out, dude. This is too cool. I got one Boglin. I got two Boglins. Unfortunately, it's not the one that you liked. No, no, no. <laughs> These are awesome. Uh, Bog of Bones and Crazy Clown. We were just talking about this before the show because I was looking at yours mm-hmm. and admiring yours because I thought they only came out with these uh, the, with like the the black box version, but they actually had a classic version. Mm-hmm. If but, you look at the back of that box, I think it has like the whole family tree. Right. And so you have those three. Uh, the Like those ones are like a little bit smaller and I did wind up getting one of the king ones. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, you know, I was, I really... I, I had a Boglin when I was a kid, and maybe a year ago, I was like, I want to get a Boglin again. And I did not realize they did a Kickstarter for to re- restart the line, and I only saw videos of people buying bog- Boglins, and they're so expensive. Yeah. And so the Kickstarter finally came out, and, and so 
I, I found these at Walmart, and I called you and was like, or I texted you, I think, and I showed you the, these things. Um, there was only a couple left, and so I wound up buying all of them. <laughs> and then you we went. Ta- so we talked about this because he has them on his shelf. Uh, I don't think you can see them. They're on the very top shelf behind Brian. And um, I was commenting on them. I was like, yeah, you know, you texted me that. I wasn't, like, super motivated because I know they're kind of expensive. And um, I, so I waited, like, a couple of days. Then I went by and checked out to see if they had them. Mm-hmm. And they were gone. <laughs> now I know why they were gone because you bought them. But, dude, I super appreciate this. This is one of those things where, like, it's such a luxury item. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't going to get it. I was like, you know, it'd be really cool to have. I never had a Boglin growing up. But, one, I can't find them. Mm-hmm. And, two, when you know, it's just money I didn't need to spend. But as a gift, yeah. woo! <laughs> awesome. And this the is cool thing cool. Is, is, let me grab one. So, unfortunately, these, these Boglins... Um, they are all beat up. Like kids have played with them like crazy on, on the toy aisle. Um, but the Boglins have like where you can put a hole in it so you can stick your hand in and still operate it and like do the eyes and the mouth and stuff like that. Um, a common complaint is that people feel like they need to be bigger because adult hands don't fit in them well. <laughs> uh, but I that's part argue, of the charm. I argue that they're that they're kids' toys, and it's not their fault that you're nostalgic for them. Right. This is the one that I wanted, Brian. I didn't. I couldn't remember. There's a. There was a Jack Lantern one. Yep. That was not the primary one I wanted. Oh. It was this one. Okay. Well, good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No problem. This is very cool. Wow. Well, I don't have anything for you. So we get to roll reversal here. I felt so bad because I was going to wrap them and then I never got around to it. And then tonight I was like, oh, crap, I need to wrap these things. And then I was like, I'll just put them in a box because I have a bunch of boxes. And then I was like, didn't have boxes that were big enough. So I was like, oh, well, this bag will do. Got the GameStop bag. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. So what's, what else has been up with you? Oh, gosh. Well, we hadn't seen each other since Christmas. So, you know, we had Christmas. We had snow days. We had mm. – uh, I went and saw movies. I've been watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the usual stuff. What about you? Um, well, I started watching The Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. It was very good. Something I wanted to talk about, too. I, we, I started watching that. And um, not retro-related, but, you know, started watching Peacemaker on HBO – Oh, yes, okay. Uh, which is a, a spinoff of the Suicide Squad. Well, it could be retro because that, oh, that yeah. comic character is old. Sure. <laughs> and um, and then as far as movie goes, I saw Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Um, what was the? Far, no Way Home. No Way Home, yes. I, they're confusing me. So mm-hmm. I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, which was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I saw Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, mm-hmm. which was really cool and had a really cool aesthetic. Did you see the trailer for Pinocchio? No. He's doing a claymation Pinocchio. I'm not watching And it's that. the original I don't care. story of Pinocchio. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I'm so over reinterpretations of Snow White, which they just announced Disney's going to be doing mm-hmm. again. Uh, yeah, but this isn't the Disney Cinderella, story. you know, Peter Pan. I don't, I, I'm over it. And this one, this is a spoiler, if you've ever read the actual Pinocchio story. But in this, in Pinocchio, I don't know if this is going to be in this movie. I assume it will be. Uh, but Pinocchio kills Jiminy Cricket. He gets mad at him and stomps on him and kills him. So. Well, there's a plot twist. <laughs> yeah, that's so, cool. I I have to imagine that that will be in his movie. So, <laughs> um, Book of Boba Fett's awesome. It is. Have you seen the discourse where people are talking about uh, 
it's this is not Star Wars. Like someone did a picture of like the kids like in their hover bikes, and it was like, "There's not a single thing of Star Wars in this shot." No, I mean I have seen that, mm-hmm. but that's not true because yeah. Star Wars has always been kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. I think I, I I like this show. The first, I, I don't I think, I think the it, second episode, I was like, "Wow, they like there's hardly any talking in this episode. It's crazy." Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, I haven't seen the most recent episode. I think yeah, it just came out today, mm-hmm. but um, I look forward to watching it, and. I heard someone describe it as pure joy for Star Wars fans who in the dark times of no Star Wars movies and stuff like that, they only had their toys to play with Mm -hmm. and they would create these, you know, these plot lines and stuff on their own Mm -hmm. using just their imaginations. And this kind of feels like a kid in a candy store being able to finally tell, you know, a story of their favorite character. Yeah. And I I do like, you know, part of the thing that I want from Star Wars is just totally original stories with original characters, but just set in that universe, right? Mm-hmm. And there's enough that has happened enough in video games where I think it it's a no-brainer for them to do it. And I, th- I know they're going to do it's not an old Republic show, but there's there's going to be something that's like an older thing. But um, you know, I think that they've done a good job in telling their own story while also like having the the fanfare and and um you know having the huts in it and and stuff like that and like in a way that makes sense you know and like having having you know bringing in other characters like the black wookie i can't remember his name is black something i don't know i don't know but but he's he's from something else Uh right i don't remember if it's a book or a game but like it's cool to be able to bring in other parts of that universe you know yeah big budget thing so yeah i like um, I like being surprised with new characters like that. Like mm-hmm. I, that was the first you know scene in Book of Boba Fett is the first time I ever saw that new Wookiee character because mm-hmm. um, I I stopped being like a uber Star Wars fan a while ago. Right. So it's cool to be on the other side of just like a normal person. Mm-hmm. Like oh wow that guy is cool, and then find out later that he was part of some you know book or TV show or mm-hmm. um, or game or something. Right. So yeah, no, it's a whole new world. I like it. Um, well. I figured I don't want to waste too much time because I think this is going to be a pretty action-packed episode. I think so. And I will say this episode was actually suggested to us um, from uh, someone that you're very familiar with, uh, Preston. Yes. Uh, So my good friend John, um, he's out in Texas, and he is the host of the Arcade Repair Tips podcast. And... uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter at, at Jedi John L. And he said, Squared Stiff, if you're looking to do another bracket on Wayback Attack, here's an idea. How about one with the best 80s and 90s TV sitcom dads in honor of Bob Saget? All right. And that was too good of an idea to pass up. Uh-huh. It's better than the idea that we were originally had. So, <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> we're doing it. A TV brawl for dads who's the best yeah and i think you know i think it's cool that it's in honor of bob saget you know who's who who's passing was you know at the beginning of the year and really shocked a lot of people and kind of set the tone for the way right. this year has gone so far yeah yeah <laughs> and so um you know i think it's i think this is cool that you know this is kind of like the danny tanner presents <laughs> the best dads of tv right right so uh yeah no I was looking at some of these lists uh, that have already been compiled. You know, we're not the first to think of this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ranking of TV dads or anything mm-hmm. like this. And so there are a lot out there. And Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget, mm-hmm. 
always ranks in the top five, usually the top three, sometimes top, you know, very top right. of like the quintessential TV dad. So we didn't want to uh, sully his good name by putting him in in the list mm-hmm. um, for fear that, you know, hey, we're honoring this guy uh, and he's ranking number six, you know. <laughs> but uh, we both do think highly of him. Uh, I really enjoyed his character. He was so wholesome, you know, yes. mm-hmm. like there was on family on um full house full house yeah on full house you know everybody had their role joey was the goofy one and uh you know john samus was the cool Mm -hmm. one danny was the practical one yes he was a little uptight Mm -hmm. but you know he was the voice of reason Mm -hmm. and a grounding force on that show yeah and and bob saget really played it really well especially because like you know in real life bob saget total opposite well, I mean, as far as like his character, I've heard nothing but good things about the man. Like, right. very kind oh, soul. Yes, yes. But like his comedy, uh-huh. <laughs> he was, you know, a very dirty comedian, and uh, it just was very weird to see that that image that he had on Full House mm-hmm. was different than his his on stage persona. And it wasn't just Full House, right? It was also on um, America's Funniest Funny Home Videos. Videos. And I remember the first glance that I had, or gl- I guess the first the first glance I had at that side of him. Uh, was one of my cousins gave me like a portable TV mm-hmm. and so I would watch it at night uh, and, and like under my covers or like I would go to the bathroom and just sit in the bathroom and watch it <laughs> and um, I was watching David Letterman and he was on there and he was talking about the videos that they can't show on TV mm-hmm. from America's Funniest Home Videos and so and then like you know him being on late night he was able to be more of himself yeah. and I was just like oh wow like this is totally different from, from him on Full House and on America's Funniest Home videos i watched a documentary on a joke called the aristocrats Mm -hmm. which is the dirtiest joke known to man Uh but what makes it interesting is each person in building up to this joke tells it in such a unique way like that's their own personal style Mm -hmm. and his was one of the dirtiest (laughs) imaginable it was so awful but it was so funny so uh uh you know rest in peace bob you uh, provide some great entertainment for us. We appreciate it. And in your honor tonight, we are looking at other TV dads who may not be quite as good as you were, but uh, hopefully give you some good uh, good competition. I want to look like these models. Why? Because they're beautiful. Well, so are you. Oh, yeah? Well, show me one girl in here with this round face and these Charlie Brown cheeks. Honey, people come in all different shapes and sizes. Everybody wishes they could change something about themselves. Heck, when I was a kid, I wished I could have been more like that guy on The Incredible Hulk. So, let's take a look at the brackets for tonight. Well, that's right, Preston. This is going to be a tough battle between the, some of the biggest names in TV dad history. Okay. I appreciate the enthusiasm. I don't know that I'm going to be able to match it. But, yes, so for our best TV dad ever contest, uh, we have eight grand names to present to our viewers and our listeners um, that are from some of the most beloved TV shows of the 80s and 90s. And these were the central father figures on those shows. So, coming in at a number one seed, we've got Mike Brady. Mm-hmm. Mike Brady from The Brady Bunch. 
He's going to be a tough one to beat. He is. Uh, number two, we've got Phil Banks from none other than the, the great TV show Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Mm -hmm. For number three, we've got Dan Connor from Roseanne. He's, uh, he's definitely a driving force for that show and for that family. Salt of the earth guy. Oh, yeah. At uh, number four, we have Dr. Jason Seaver uh -huh. from Growing Pains. And at number five, we have, I guess he ended as Captain Carl Winslow <laughs> uh, for the Chicago PD. So That's right, from the show Family Matters. Oh, yeah, Family Matters. And number six, coming in, uh, maybe not a name you thought of instantly, but a, a central figure in the 80s, Stephen Keaton from Family Ties. And coming in at number seven, we have Jack Arnold from The Wonder Years. And rounding out our Elite Eight, <laughs> Willie Tanner from ALF, everybody's go-to TV father figure. You know what's amazing about <laughs> Willie Tanner is I've been watching a lot of clips of ALF recently, and all I can think of is how similar he is to Gary Oldman. <laughs> he <laughs> does. So I was like, I was like, oh man, they should like like reboot this or do a movie or something and have Gary Oldman play Willie Tanner, but. <laughs> Uh, but no. E true Hollywood story. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Amazing. All right. So we have quite a smattering of, of decades represented of uh, TV roles represented TV shows. And um, hopefully you've are familiar with most of these. If not, we're going to introduce you to some of the, our favorite TV dads. Um, were there anybody that you thought about including, but didn't? Um, Yes, because <laughs> like so, um, to me there was like one of the first names I thought of was somebody that I was like, never in a million years am I going to put him on my list. Okay, and it was Bill Cosby. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was also number one for me. And I know you can separate the art, yeah, from uh, the person, but in this case, I don't want to uh, throw oil on fire. So yeah, we're we're not going to do that. And another one I wanted to do because I thought it would be great fodder for the show. But he's just not a great father figure, honestly. And that's Al Bundy Yeah, from mm -hmm. Married with Children. Yep. I mean, I know he can have his redeeming qualities, and he was really entertaining. But, you know, you'll notice from my picks, even though there's some that are rough around the edges, there's a good heart in there. Mm -hmm. Well, you could say Al had a good heart. Uh, okay. <laughs> he was well-meaning for himself <laughs> yeah the um you know there was a couple other people that i felt were father figures but i was like well it's kind of i don't think that they would do well up against some other people and so like i tried to pick people i'm usually pretty bad at picking off the wall things mm -hmm. and so i tried not to do that i tried to stick i i had i snuck one off the wall guy and willie tanner <laughs> and uh but like he was honestly willie tanner was like like the second person i thought of that's so funny yeah i, I loved alf as a kid <laughs> we were doing this list and you had your four and you put willie tanner and i honestly thought you were talking about danny tanner <laughs> using the character for Bob Saget. And I was like, are you sure you have the right name? He's like, no, this is from Alf. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, anyway. All right, so we have our top eight laid out for you. Let's take a look one more at the chart before we dive right into our top seed and our bottom seed, Battle Royale. You don't care if Buddy picks on little girls. I mean, little, little girls. Look, I don't tell my kid who to pick on. Maybe you ought to tell him not to pick on anybody. What are you trying to do, preach to me? 
No, no, I'm just trying to discuss this in an adult manner. Well, don't tell me what to do. Buzz off. Off my property. Or would you like to be helped off? You think you could do that? I'm not a little girl, you know. You I can handle. Well, you I'd like to see try. I'm just gonna reason with you. Reasoning, calm, cool reasoning. Oh, shut up. <laughs> All right, so our number one seed was my pick, Mike Brady from the classic TV show, The Brady Bunch. Now, I know we said this was 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. This was from a TV show in the 70s. However, I grew up watching this show. Yeah. It, it defined my, ch- it didn't define my childhood. It was part yeah. of our childhoods. I would imagine yours as well. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it in because he is one of the ultimate father figures on television way you know right from the 70s through the 90s anybody who watched it and um you know we saw a clip just then he actually heard his own voice of reason because he is a voice of reason throughout Mm -hmm. the show uh, and you know talks his kids down off the ledge very calm figure but i want to share this clip because mike brady he almost didn't pull his punches I know. Andy's got those baby blues. <laughs> Andy a looker? You, how do you think they got his eyes to be so blue? Oh I don't my know. Gosh. That's Technicolor right there, baby. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. Where did you watch this show? Uh, I don't know. It's They showed it on TBS. They showed it, you know, just on Saturday afternoons on some Fox station okay. probably. I was trying to think if it was on the Family Channel um, because I, I remember seeing it when I was a kid, but I just couldn't remember what it was on. And then I feel like it was one of the earlier Nick at Night shows yeah, too. Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah, it was everywhere. You know, it was in syndication for a while. The So I should start off, I should have started off earlier by saying Mike Brady is played by Robert Reed um, on The Brady Bunch, which was a show on ABC. It ran all the way from September 26, 1969, so even earlier than I thought, yeah. all the way to March 8, 1974, five seasons and 117 episodes. So it hit that magic 100 number and was able to be in syndication for a long, long time. Yeah. And I doubt I've seen every episode. Oh, no. And, and, you know, it it was one of those shows that was such a hit. It spawned copycats and and that kind of thing, too. Mm -hmm. So um, it was was a real, like, you know, it was a real force to be reckoned with so much so that they wound up making movies in in the 90s, you know. Uh And Gary Cole from Office Space was was in that role. And, man, he did such a great job Mm -hmm. parodying him. It was great. Um, Are there anything you remember specifically about Mike Brady? I, so like when you think of like the quintessential, you know, TV dad like getting down on on their knee and being like, like putting the hand on the shoulder and being like, hey, let me talk to you about something real quick. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is probably one of the first people that comes to mind when when you think about that. Yeah, uh, there are a bunch of things, if, uh, a bunch of clips out there of him sitting the child down mm-hmm. and having a real heart to heart conversation. And he, but you know what always struck me about Mike Brady is that like. He never raised his voice. Yeah. He was always cool and collected. And I think he bridged that gap of like um, Andy Griffith Uh in the the 60s, 50s and 60s, to the Al Bundy of the late 80s and early 90s, right? Mm. Where it was like raw and real um, or exaggerated. 
versus like the exaggerated goody goody two shoes of 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 right. Andy Griffith. Uh huh. And so he was that like calm and cool and collected TV father for a whole generation, but in a really grounded way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I think I think he's he's a great pick, and you know I think there's no doubt why he earned his number one seed uh, in in this bracket. But that's just a seeding. Who's to say who will win? So up next, our contender in the number eight seed. You teach him not to fight. Well, he already knows how to do that. Look at his face. (laughs) Excuse me, Alf. I know whereof I speak. You see, when I was about Brian's age, there was a bully lived on our block who was always picking on me. Where of? (laughs) Sorry. I'm still fascinated by the oddities of the English language. Anyway, this bully, his name was Clarence, you see. Oh, ha! Tough neighborhood! Ah! Ah! All right, so for my pick, uh, Willie Tanner. He's uh, not someone that really comes up a whole lot when you're thinking about TV dads. <laughs> But, like I said earlier, he was one of the first people that I thought of. He was played very well by Max Wright, and ALF was on TV from, uh, it was an NBC show from September 22nd, 1986 to March 24th, 1990. It ran for four seasons and had 102 episodes, so just like you're talking about, you gotta hit that magic 100 number, Uh baby. They just did it. Barely, by the skin (laughs) of their teeth. You know, it was crazy because NBC... Like, their first season was okay. But their second season, they were, like, I think number five. Like, they were huge. And then the third season dropped down to 11. And then the fourth season, it, like, tanked. And um, NBC had told them, yeah, we're going to do it for another year. And then they didn't. They are like, ah, no. And so the, four, the fourth season ended in a cliffhanger. And then that was just the end of the show. And so um, they wound up doing a, a TV movie to finish the story because like whoever the head of the network was, was like, Hey, listen, like we kind of did you wrong. And so we want to, we want to make it right because we think you had another season than you at least give us some closure. Yeah. And so they, they did, they, they let them have a TV movie. That's cool. It's crazy that it only ran for four seasons because it felt like in the eighties, Alf was everywhere. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, it was like him, you know, Spud McKenzie, Uh Bart Simpson. Like if you think of like, like childhood mascots that you saw everywhere, Mm -hmm. Alf was like, on top of everything i mean he made it into the cartoon all-stars yeah and you know what's crazy about that is you know alf was not a cartoon right Uh but they actually did wind up having two different cartoon shows and um you know he got back in popularity in the late 90s early 2000s with the 10 10 220 Mm -hmm. commercials you remember those yeah and then um he had they did a new show recently in 2004 with uh, Alf, um, where he it was like a talk show, I think. And so, um, you know, they've had a couple of things to try to resurrect the character. But, yeah, you know, like... Well, when they bring back the character, they bring back Willie Tanner? Because he was really the glue that held the show together. You know, Willie Tanner was not a great dad. <laughs> you know, you talked about Mike Brady and how he was usually very calm and collected. Willie Tanner was not that. He was always <laughs> yelling yeah. and, and very upset. You know, Alf was annoying, and, like, that was like... Um, that was like a running thing was like how annoying Alf was. And like, there were times where like, 
like Willie Tanner would have someone teach Alf a lesson uh-huh. by like like one of his friends was a psychiatrist, and so Alf started like psychoanalyzing everybody all the time, and they're like, Alf, you're really annoying. You need to stop this. And so he got his psychiatrist friend to come and psychoanalyze Alf. Alf didn't like it. He's like, you're really annoying. And they're like, yeah, Alf, so are you. And he's like. <laughs> Oh, I get it now. You know, so you do a really good elf. Ha! <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard you impersonate elf before, but it's it's quite good. Um, the the two words that I wrote down that I thought of to describe um, Willie Tanner. Uh huh. You know, Mike Brady, cool and collected. Uh-huh. Willie Tanner, <laughs> neurotic and exasperated. Yes. <laughs> He's always just flustered uh-huh. and, and frantic. And it's, you know, like, seems like he has a nervous tick almost. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you're that nervous and exasperated if you're if you're really putting the focus on the kids. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's here's like my my argument for him. He's a social worker, uh-huh. so he's a good guy, right? Oh yeah. He uh, is also like a ham radio nut, like enthusiast. He's got he, some dad qualities, yeah, right model there. Model trains. Oh, total in, dad. In the garage. And in fact, that's how he met Alf. Was he was doing ham radio stuff? Alf was uh, in his spaceship, picked up on the frequency, and wound up crashing into his garage because that's where the frequency was coming from. And due to his good nature, he took in Alf and hid him from the government uh, because the government, that was like a running thing in the show, was the government was trying to find Alf and um, he was hiding them from the government and there was many times that like their whole life could have been ruined so it was so close to it happening and, and you know, Willie Tanner wound up saving the day. So Wow. Uh, there are no notes that Brian's referring to for any of this right now. Um, this is all just from his noggin. He's very passionate about Alf. Yeah. Uh, wow, you're very invested. Yeah, so I, I will say... <laughs> Uh, Mike Brady wins this <laughs> because you're right. Like he is just like Willie Tanner is not a calm, collected guy. Like I have to say that you know when we put up a list of you know if you ask someone top TV dads, I would argue that you are one of the very few who would name Willie Tanner <laughs> as even an option. So for that alone. I think Mike Brady is going to win. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least at least you know we gave Willie Tanner his due. Uh, you know what's funny about about Willie Tanner is that character, you know, neurotic and stuff. Um, Max Wright was not that much far off of that character. He hated the puppet. Oh no! He he hated playing second fiddle to this puppet, and he actually grabbed the puppet and attacked it one time. He was so <laughs> mad at it. Apparently, this whole show was so off the rails because it's a puppet show, and so the set is four feet off the ground, and there's trap doors everywhere, and so it's like a hazard. It would take for like one show, it would take twenty to thirty hours for them to film it. Wow! Because they kept having to reset things, reset the trap doors. Um, Alf was controlled by three people. Uh, and then in the first season, there was like someone, like a little person that wore a suit sometimes to run around. But like all the actors, it was like a nightmare to work on this show. And on the very last episode, uh, Max Wright, like they, he did his final scene, went out to his trailer, packed his stuff and left. He didn't even say goodbye to anybody. <laughs> he was just he was so over it. So <laughs> he wanted to leave yeah. Willie Tanner yep. just for, you know, just on the stage. Right. Yep. Yep. Man. So, well, that's where we leave Willie Tanner because he does not move forward in our bracket. We're advancing Mike Brady. All right. Up next, we're going to jump all the way down 
to the four and five seeds. Oh my gosh, this is going to be a tough this battle. This is going to be <laughs> tough. So at number four, we have Dr. Jason Seeger. It's just that I feel like, like everybody's going to laugh at me. You know, and some of those people did laugh. Mike, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Yeah, well, tonight I didn't please anybody. Except yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what you did tonight took real courage, Mike. I admire you. All right, Dr. Jason Roland Seaver. Man, if I think of someone that, like... You know, you, we talked about how Mike Brady is like a calm, collected guy. I think Mike Seaver is like, he's a little bit past the, like, he is a calm and collected guy. But there are times that he, you know, you see him getting upset at his kids or, you know, this and that and the choices that they make. But, like, uh, you know, he was always there to, like, make the right decision and help, you know, parent his kids in, in a great way. All right, you know, one of the things I think we should consider when we're talking about these these characters is could you imagine Dr. Jason Seaver as your own father? Like can you imagine yes. being his son? That would be torture. This guy <laughs> is a psychiatrist yes. who treats in home everything's uh you know, screwing with your mind. Uh you know, knows just the twist of the word to say. Mm-hmm analyzing the whole time oh my gosh i'd be walking on eggshells the whole time see really i think i think it would be really interesting to have a father like that Mm -hmm. because i think that it would teach you how to diffuse situations right and to how to take a step back and to think about what's happening to you like i don't know i think that they, they would have good skills to impart you know in that in that aspect so I do think that he was a very, like, balancing figure mm-hmm. in the household. Mm-hmm. Um, so to that, I can give him credit. And you're right. He is rather cool and collected. Well, not cool, but, you know, like, calm. Oh, he's pretty cool. <laughs> was he? <laughs> Alan Thick. I, th- I mean, Alan Thick was cool. Alan Thick ruled. Alan and Thick was, you I know. will say Dr. Seaver had some pretty cool ties in the run of uh, Growing Pains. So. Okay. Well, Alan Thick, who played Dr. Jason Seaver, he mm-hmm. was a cool guy. He was on... Um, uh, a bunch of different shows and he had some songwriting credits mm-hmm. you know he composed the song for uh, the theme song for Different Stroke for Facts of Life um, he was really really talented and we know his son is really talented as uh, Robin Thick. but maybe the- he didn't learn the right lessons so maybe <laughs> Alan Thick. see this is how good of an actor Alan Thick is is that I? well I don't know I guess it's funny. Alan Thicke's real son has made some questionable decisions in his life. Yes. But also, um, his TV son kind of got out there, too, he in, did. A, in a wild way. Yeah. So. <laughs> we had some wild issues going on there. Yeah. Um, this so, show. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Tell me about the show. This show was on ABC uh, September 24th, 1985 to April 25th, 1992. Seven seasons and 166 episodes. Solid. Yeah. I loved this show. Yes. And it's one that. I think still holds up pretty well. Uh-huh. If you were to go back and watch it, it'd still be really enjoyable. Um, I don't know if you're like a kid nowadays and watching it, it would be that great. But like for me, it's, right. it still holds up. I think it's interesting too, because 
because the show was on the air for so long, like they did the tropes of those shows, right? Uh -huh. You added a kid, and uh -huh. then like, and you know, and you, but it was like, Chrissy. yeah, and you got to see the kids grow up, right? Oh yeah. And then like, once the kid got too old, then you brought in the the um the homeless kid, and you let the homeless <laughs> kid move in. Well, and they had like the you know the the goofy neighbor with uh -huh. boner uh -huh. and all kinds of stuff. I love that show. Um, it was really weird that it was another one of those shows where the dad w had an office at home, kind of like the Cosby show. Yeah. That was a little odd. Um, but other than that, I mean, I know that was for the sake of the show, but well, no, I enjoyed it. It was actually for the sake of the story. So he became a, a, an at-home practitioner because his wife went back to work and she became a reporter. And so for, for, for her to go back to work, he wound up working from home so that he could take care of the kids and raise the family. Right. I didn't say it wasn't part of the plot. I'm I just, just <laughs> I meant it was a convenient way for them to have. I think that's also a feather in his cap for being a good dad. So <laughs> That is a good point, Brian. You know, choosing, uh, choosing a, a job choice for his wife to succeed, that's mm -hmm. great. That's a good partnership. And that's a great you know that's a great example for for dads to make. Yeah, exactly. So Good call. All right. Well, I applaud your your uh, selection here. But um, next up, we've got number five, another one of your choices. I know. So you're gonna have to make a really hard call here. I know who's gonna win. So because we got number five, Carl Winslow. You know, I remember to win Humphrey here, I had to shoot water into a clown's mouth at ten cents a try. Thirty-eight bucks later, we had him. <laughs> you know, Laura, in those days, you were daddy's little girl. Man, if I could have frozen time, I think I would have kept you six years old forever. But I couldn't. And now you've grown into a beautiful young lady. And sweetheart, I promise to try to treat you like one from now on. Preston Carl Winslow he is a great dad uh, no doubt about it in that clip we just saw uh -huh. you could hear a pin drop mm -hmm. hanging on every word because he was offering some fatherly wisdom yes and he did so almost every episode mm -hmm. he was he was very good he was played of course by Reginald Feld, Reginald Bell Johnson the reason I laugh is his real name because that's his stage name his real name is Reginald Vell Johnson. So he just took out the space and made Vell Johnson one word <laughs> for his stage. That's name. cool. So, um, so this show, crazy enough, was on two networks. It was on ABC and CBS. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So the ABC run was from September 22nd, 1989 to July 17th, 1998. And that was the first eight seasons. And then season nine was on CBS. Um, oh, no. The 98 was, was I didn't break them apart. So the last year ended in 1998, and that was on CBS. Okay. And they had a total run of 215 episodes. But, yeah, I guess ABC dropped them, and then CBS was like, well, their ratings are still actually really good. They're like, we're CBS. We kind of suck. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> if it's second tier for them, it's still number one for yeah. us. So they picked it up for a year and then was like, uh, I guess not. So, Well, it was a, it was a really good show, and um, I, I had recently read that Reginald Bell Johnson, like, he was – about to quit acting mm -hmm. and then he got everything all at once he mm -hmm. got die hard he got family matters he was doing xyz it, and it really it really just came all at once but to our benefit 
mm-hmm. because he, I can't picture anybody else in this role. I know. He was so perfect. Are you one of those people that, and I don't know if this is a thing or if I have made it up, are you one of those people that, that thinks that he is the same person in Die Hard and in Family Matters? <laughs> <laughs> I do like this idea that it's like a uh, – an overarching, you know, world. <laughs> he was a cop in California. Something happened. He had to go change his name. Yeah, change his name and move to, to Chicago. But he was still a cop, and so I honestly, this isn't even this. This isn't just the second thing he's been a cop in. I think he's been a cop in like four or five things. He's the perfect police officer. Yeah, I almost said. Well, he was also a cop in the Die Hard video game. <laughs> um, he, uh, you know, he was a police officer. He rose through the ranks in the show. So um, he started off uh, as a police sergeant and then became lieutenant and then and then retired as a captain, police captain with the Chicago Police Department. And um, I will say. There are some. He is a great dad, but there are some things that kind of knock him down a little bit. Okay. So um, he would usually act in his own self-interest, mm-hmm. especially when it came to Urkel. That's right. Now, you know, there are plenty of episodes where you see his love for Steve, and and that kind of thing. But there are plenty of times where, like, there was a t- an episode where where Steve was going to have to move to Russia, and he convinced <laughs> Eddie to offer or to let Steve live with him so that Steve couldn't ask him to move in. Uh, and then something happened and then Steve asked him to move in and he was not going to do it until Eddie put pressure on him to let him move in. So that's not setting a good example for your kids of no. how to treat each other. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's quite a demerit. Uh huh. And then he also, you know, he would, he would also have issues with Harriet sometimes where, um, you know, I would have issues with Harriet. <laughs> Harriet would do something nice for him. <laughs> oh, okay. And then, and, but he, but like she would like keep her cards close to her chest, and then she'd be like, "All right, so we planned we planned vacation," and she had planned it for what Carl wanted to do. But she's like, "All right, Carl, we planned vacation," and he's like, "Oh, did we plan vacation?" And he would get all. I'm the man of the house type of thing going on. And then she'd be like, yeah, it's the vacation that you wanted to do. And he was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, Carl had a little bit of an ego yeah. that was easily wounded. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and so a lot of the, the plot lines fell around that. But he did have to put up with Steve Urkel, who wasn't even going to be the point of the show, and then became the main character in the show. I know. So there's some friction there. I understand it. But, you know, when you're a dad you got to rise above. And it's so crazy to think how big Steve Urkel came because he was written as just like a one-off character uh-huh. for season one. And then like they, they did wind up like stretching out and, and doing um, crossovers with other shows. So there was an episode of full house where Urkel was in California for some reason. And he was on that show with, with those kids. And then there was um, an episode with blossom when they were starting blossom off um, um, their daughter. What's her, what's her name? What? The daughter on Family Matters, uh, Laura Winslow. Yeah, she went and I guess met Blossom. Oh like, wow! Like she was on that show for a couple, like two episodes, which makes sense because this show in itself was a spinoff from Perfect Strangers. Oh right. And so because Harriet was on, was oh, they did all, they did that all the time. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, for our listeners, if if you haven't, you need to check this out. So you know that they made a, they're making a reboot of Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh uh-uh. Oh really? You I didn't, didn't know this? that. Uh uh-uh. Okay, but it's just like a straight dramatic. Oh really? Retelling of you know a down and out kid from um, Philadelphia coming to a rich parent, you know, you know Uncle Phil's rich house, but uh, it's very straight and like drama. Huh. 
And so people are like, what? This is not funny at all. And that's why we loved it. Mm -hmm. So SNL on a very recent episode, they they did a parody of that mm. uh, or made fun of that fact by making by reimagining uh, another beloved character, which was Urkel, uh-huh. as a very serious, like, <laughs> hard gangster kind of guy. And, uh, you know, very threatening. Did I do that? It was. It's really cool. So check out the SNL uh, reimagining of Urkel being brought back to the world. That's uh, really funny. You know, it's funny, too, since you brought up Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil was also on the show. Oh, wow. He they, As Uncle Phil? Uh, I think so. I know that, that – I, I, I don't remember what, what all the thing was around it, but I remember – Uncle Phil being in the living room and, and doing having something to do with that's it, so. crazy. Wow, yeah, all these interconnected shows spinning off of each other, mm-hmm. marketing off of each other, trying to connect to a new audience. Hey, you can't you can't judge them for that. Yeah. That's smart. But using your brain, you got to make a smart decision here. Well, I know who I would pick. So who would you pick? Who would I would pick? Uh, Jason Siever. Okay, I agree with you, and the reason I agree with you is because. Carl's downsides like his his ego and sometimes he's conniving and, and stuff like that he d- he is a good father um, you know he teaches his kids the value of a dollar because he's very cheap um, but you know I, I and you know there are some really heavy episodes in Family Matters like where um, where Eddie is harassed by the police and Carl has to go and handle that and like call the cops out for for you know for stereotyping and racial prejudice and stuff like that so you know there were some very good things that he did on the show um but yeah i think i think jason siever winds up taking it in this one yeah i think carl is often more often than not you know a a comic foil Mm -hmm. rather than like a father figure Mm -hmm. he definitely has those moments but they're not as many as his just being a fun part of the show yeah so in that regard, Jason Siever, you're moving on. All right, Preston, here comes the next breakdown between Dan Connor and Stephen Keaton. Who do you think's going to take it? I have my suspicions. These are both of my picks, so it's going to be like picking between one of my own children, uh, which a father should never have to do. And let's see which father is going to come out on top. Here's Dan Connor. Here's the roughest, toughest otter of them all. The Terminator! Dad? Yeah? Can I have a taste of your beer? Ah, you're too young, Deej. Just a sip? Nah, you wouldn't like it. Please? Okay, but just one. Remember that. And that was Salt of the Earth, (laughs) Dan Connor, from, of course, the spectacular 80s and 90s TV show, Roseanne. And now, 2010s. Yeah, the Connors. Yeah. mm -hmm. That's right. Still going at it with the same character. Yep. Which is surprising, because he died. No, he had a heart problem. Yeah. They they (laughs) offed that guy at the very end. But, uh, But he was too good. They had to bring him back. Mm-hmm. They recognized they had to have that father figure. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was an amazing father figure. Yeah. He was. I love that show. I put him down as one of my was my picks because you know, we've talked about Mike Brady and Jason Seaver and like these guys that were 
I don't know, up on a pedestal of like what a father should be. I think Dan Connor is an example of what a father actually is uh-huh. in real life. Um, you know, we've talked before about how like Roseanne's their their house was one of the most realistic house sets mm-hmm. in all of TV. Yeah, uh, and, and how they've gotten away from that now. Um, and I wouldn't say that my family was like that, but I think the the portrayal of that family was more similar to an actual American family yeah. than had ever really been portrayed before. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I definitely, um, I, I I feel like my family was not necessarily like that. I mean, there are similarities, but I definitely knew people like their house was just like that house, uh-huh. and you know, like you see that dynamic of, of that that family has, you know, in families all the time in real life. So yeah. You know, he was a hard-living kind of guy. He was, like I said, salt of the earth. Uh, was he a mechanic? He eventually became a mechanic. Okay, um, I thought so. Yeah, he, he wound up having a, a motorcycle shop. But, you know, when he was younger, him and him and Roseanne rode motorcycles and stuff like okay. that. So they were they were those, you know, that they he had those, those skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the show, of course, is Roseanne, which aired October 18th, 1988. And ran until the original run until May twentieth, nineteen seventy seven. Sorry, nineteen ninety seven. And then, of course, there was the twenty eighteen revival, which started as Roseanne, changed its name uh, when she left the show, and is now just the Connors. And he's kind of anchoring that show, which is yeah. awesome. So it had ten seasons, two hundred thirty one episodes, and of course, John Goodman, the actor, is just incredible. He's been in so many different things, mm-hmm. um, and so versatile. And he really, you know, this is the case, like, no offense to your guy, uh, Max Wright. Yeah. Um, but, like, John Goodman is such a good actor and has such a range. And it was really a coup for them to get him for the show um, because he's he could he could anchor a movie mm-hmm. um, like Always or uh, Arachnophobia. or Matinee. Yeah, Matinee. Mm-hmm. Um, the Babe. Mm-hmm. You know, so many good movies. Um, and I just I don't see Max Wright doing that, you know. So, yeah, he, he brought a level of authenticity to the role. I think that was really, really helpful. But, um, yeah, I what I love about him was that he, you know, he goofs around a lot. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, humorous and, and just seems real authentic. I love his Halloween episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. He really gets into the spirit of things. But, uh, you know, just like real dads, there are those times when you have to be serious and you have to be heartfelt. Mm-hmm. And he does those, and he does as well. Yeah, and, you know, I think I think it's interesting because you do see, like, the realistic relationship. Like, him and Roseanne do get in arguments, and him and his kids get into arguments and stuff like that. And you do see where he you know winds up going back and sitting down with them and talking to them and you know especially with the kids you, they're like they all the kids had big bang out fights with him at some point right yeah. and you know with darlene and david like there was tons of them and then you know um gosh i can't remember the other guy's name dj um, no not the his other son-in-law oh, um i forget mark oh mark like him and mark you know, had their back and forth and stuff. So you, you got to see it, not with just his kids, but with his like son-in-laws also, you know, and that relationship that they had. And I think that, you know, due to his acting skills, it is a very believable relationship, but still like, it still has, he still has very, 
good lessons that he teaches and that kind of thing. So I yeah. think like a great dad. Yeah. I don't know that I could, you know, we talked about, can you imagine yourself with him as your dad? I don't know that I could imagine myself with him as my dad, but I can definitely imagine him as one of my friend's dads. Yeah. Um, my, my dad and him are very different. And so it would be hard for me to think of him like, like being my dad, but like, yeah, I, I could totally see like, Oh, that's, I'm friends with DJ or Darlene or uh -huh. whatever and going over to the house. And like, I think that he and I would get along well. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think he is a strong contender mm -hmm. at the number three seed, but let's see who's next. 15 years old. And when I see Kimberly Blanton in a strapless evening gown, I don't look past her for the Bill of Rights. <laughs> I was 17 myself once, but I had principles. I had beliefs. Well, now that you mention it, I do recall working for Nixon for a couple of weeks in 1960. <laughs> Richard Nixon? You see, th there was this young Republican, Sandra Futterman, <laughs> a real fascist, but she wore it well. So if you're thinking of a name from Family Ties, the first name that comes to your mind is going to be Alex P. Keaton. But Alex P. Keaton would not be the name that he was without Stephen Keaton, the grounding force, the father figure from Family Ties. Uh, did you watch the show growing up? I remember it coming on. Uh, I had a friend that had um, an NES with Robbie the Robot, and I must have played at his house every night that this was on the air. Because I remember his family watching it, but me and him would be in his room playing Nintendo games. Well, it's it's a little bit we're a little bit young for this show. Yeah, I grew up watching some of it, um, but I honestly don't know if we were catching reruns or whatever as mm -hmm. a family because this show started in 1982 in September and ran seven seasons until May 14th, 1989, for a total of 176 episodes. So a lot of episodes, but. You know, I was born in 80, so it came on when I was two. Right. That, that, I think that might have been from the, the clip from, was from maybe the first season. Yeah, it was a pilot episode. Where he doesn't have a beard. And um, so, yeah, I wasn't watching that when I was two years old. I couldn't have comprehended that. Mm -hmm. But this is one of those shows where it was, you know, I probably got a little bit of enjoyment watching it back then right. um, in the 80s. But it's a lot more enjoyable now as an adult and seeing yourself in the father role. Mm -hmm. um, the clip we saw was a really serious one and heartfelt, but there were those hints of humor there that mm -hmm. made the show really good. Um, but he's, you know, he's not just that open and loving guy. He, um, he's not just like the Mike Brady or the, or the Andy Griffith. He, uh, he is silly sometimes. Mm -hmm. There's a clip of him, you know, test driving or sorry, making, uh, Jennifer, his youngest daughter, practice driving, and they're driving in the kitchen. And he's got on a chauffeur's cap and a scarf and gloves and stuff. And you know, so he cuts it up. He's silly, mm -hmm. um, just like other dads are. But he's a lot more heartfelt and like raw and real because he used to be a hippie. Yeah, I was gonna say, and and it's interesting because a lot of these shows, you know, the dad is nothing close to a hippie, uh -huh. right? And so it's it's interesting to for you know I guess the time that this came out 
you know, he was a hippie, but also there was like a lot of politics in the show. There was, you know, so, it was very clear that uh, Alex was a strong young Republican, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of infighting in the family because of those different ideals. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it it his portrayal was really cool too because oh, I'm sorry, I should should mention the actor playing him was uh, Michael Gross mm-hmm. who I actually have gotten to speak to on oh, the phone really? personally because I interviewed him for uh, one of the Tremors movies there was a movie coming out I was interviewing for a website uh, and Tremors A Cold Day in Hell <laughs> was out and we uh, Michael and I we bonded over the fact that we were both Chicago Cubs fans oh nice but he's a really nice guy and um, but anyway the one of the things that makes his character interesting is the fact that he was this former hippie and you know out there in, in you know or like a radical and now is in the 80s in a very you know buttoned up shirt kind of mm-hmm. collared shirt way trying to make his way in the you know consumeristic times of the 80s mm-hmm. now he's trying to keep it real he he works in the public uh public tv station like yeah. a pbs or something uh-huh. but yeah, it's cool. His background is different um, to help inform how he deals with his kids. A little hippy dippy, but um, I like it. Yeah, I, you know, I I don't have a lot of history with this show, so I have to leave this one up to you. Oh man, so I I put Stephen Keaton in there. He probably wasn't necessarily in anybody's first pick, mm-hmm. right? But he is definitely middle of the road. So. He shot. He probably should be rated more like a four. Like as far as like, you know, on a scale of one to ten, he would be a five, right? Uh-huh. But in the sake of our of our seating, he came at n- number six, and there's just no contest. The raw and the real, Dan Connor. All right. Number three takes it. All right. Well, that's exciting. Um, I'm glad. I was I was rooting for Dan in that one. So, um, you know, I think I think the next roundup is going to be tough. Um, but before we get to the next round, we have one final bracket to go to. We do. Number two seed versus number seven, Phil Banks versus Jack Arnold. Let's go to the tape. You know, Will was doing just fine until you showed up. But now that you're back, you have responsibilities to him. Look, we're still going to take the trip. Oh, Bull! Bull! Will is not a coat that you hang in the closet, then pick it up when you're ready to wear it. His life goes on. He's not supposed to be here for you. You're supposed to be here for him. You get off my back. You think I want this? It just happened. Now, when Will was a baby, I was scared. Cut the crap, all right? Cut it. Because I've been there. But I didn't run out on my family. I was there every day for them, because that's what a man does. Fine, son. All right, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was one of those shows that was really, really funny, but then also had really serious, heartfelt episodes. You yeah. know? They dealt with a lot on that show. They really did. You know, I made fun of the reboot that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier and how it's just totally dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the clip we just watched was one that was really, really dramatic when right. you saw it. But that wasn't the entirety of the show. Right. Um, but just like so many of our other father figures in this TV competition, those TV dads, um, Uncle Phil 
really serve that father figure role of being silly and being a foil, but also having those heartfelt moments. Right. And, you know, I think, I think that uncle Phil, the, the role that he had through not just his family, but you know, the, with him being a judge and how that impacted certain storylines and stuff like that. Um, and some of the, the, the struggles that they had to talk about on that show, I think it really gave that, that father figure a big, a big, you know, room to play in in yeah. terms of, uh, you know, how how he tackles certain things and the types of conversations he has. So. Well, I think uh, I think Uncle Phil was a really good TV dad because it set him up in that role of being a role model. Right. You know, so many of these families we look at, the dad was just the dad; he's part of the family, and you have those moments where they where they shine. But with Will being brought into this family from such a different background and from such a hard life, putting Phil there as like uh, something you need to try to attain, like a level to try to attain mm-hmm. as far as how to present yourself, how to behave, how to interact. Um, I think that was a really, really crucial role. And I think he did it really, really well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he was played by James Avery mm-hmm. and this uh, was an NBC show that was that ran from September 10th 1990 to May 20th 1996 so it had six seasons and 148 episodes I misspoke when I said he was a judge he was a lawyer but I feel like did he become a judge I feel like he became a judge at some I thought point. he did so but he was a lawyer um, and he defended many people against unjust police brutality and there was I do remember there was an episode specifically about that and mm-hmm. uh, so um, yeah it dealt with some real issues for yeah. sure mm-hmm. and it, and of course some absurd ones as well <laughs> but james avery is great and for those of you who don't know james avery was the voice of shredder yeah uh-huh on teenage mutant ninja turtles yep. yeah the uh and it's great like when you tell people that like yeah that was uncle phil like people are like what but if you listen to it like you can totally tell and so yeah you know who you know the shredder that sh- kind of shows his range shredder not the best dad <laughs> <laughs> no i would say the opposite but uncle phil even though he was not Will's real dad. He was also he was Carlton's real dad. Yep, and, and he was great to Car and uh, Vanessa. No, no. Viv- Vivian. No, R- it was Aunt Viv. Yeah. Who? Uh, oh gosh, <laughs> we should have done our research more. Uh, but yeah, so he served that father figure role, and was the you know uh, an actual father on the show. But so he was pulling double duty. Yeah, I, I think you know you know you talk about how he was the butt of a lot of jokes, you know, um, uh, you know, his weight was, he was often picked on for his weight, uh, with, um, the, the, the Butler always calling him big guy and stuff like that. So, but you know, deep down he had a huge heart and I think that he's a great example of what a dad should be. So he was a judge confirmed. Okay, good. (laughs) I thought he was, but then my notes said lawyer and I was like, uh, so I guess he was a lawyer first and then became a judge. Yeah. So. He's a judge. He's a lawyer, but he's a dad. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best. Yeah. Let's see if he can hold muster against our last dad coming in at the number seven seed, Jack Arnold from Wonder Years. Dad, have you ever thought about your life? Huh? Oh, well, it's for school. I mean, if you had to write about it, what would you say? Okay, 
Time for a meaningful father-son exchange here. A thoughtful summing up. I get up at 5 in the morning. I fight traffic. I bust my hump all day. I fight traffic again. And I come home. Then I pay my taxes. The end. In a way, it kind of made you feel like you knew the guy. Jack Arnold. Mm-hmm. You know, some might look at a dad and say, you know, he's a big teddy bear. Yeah. Jack Arnold's kind of a grizzly bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He is rough around the edges. He is gruff. He is tough. He is a 60s man's man. But like on so many of our other dads we've talked about, he does mean well. Mm-hmm. And he tries most of the time. <laughs> and But he does have, you know, underneath that rough demeanor, he does have a heart of gold. Yeah, he's one of those fathers that I'm sure, and I feel like she probably did it in the show, where the the mom has to be like, look, your father means well. Oh, like. totally. Yeah, the, the mom definitely has to explain away the dad so much, so much. And the kids are, like, fearful of the dad, uh-huh. you know, walking on eggshells around him all the time. But there's just enough glimpse of humanity in him and sweetness in him to keep you going. Like... You know, you could watch almost the whole episode mm. and you're like, geez, this guy's a jerk. But then they pull back a layer and you're like, oh, oh, well, that's why he's like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, he really does mean well. And, you know, you're, the cold heart melts just <laughs> a little bit and warms up. You know, one of the things I think is cool about about uh, Dan Connor, or I'm sorry, not Dan Connor. I th- actually, I think him and Dan Connor would actually be good friends. Yeah. Um, I could see Dan Connor being the real son of of Jack Arnold, <laughs> yeah, I could right? See that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the the thing that I think is cool about Jack Arnold is, you know, it's easy for a person to have hopes and dreams, and then something happens out of their control, and it sets you on a different path than what you were wanting to go mm-hmm. with. And his backstory is actually pretty long, but it's cool. One of the things that I like about it is is that you see in the show, like some days when he gets home from work he's just outside looking through a telescope at the stars and like that's like his like winding down time and that's you know part of his like his past and like what he wanted to do and just you know his like his humanity there's a really good episode of wonder years where it's uh take your son to work day Mm -hmm. or take your kid to work day Mm -hmm. and so kevin goes to his middle management office job that you know jack had worked his way up from like the loading dock and he's now middle management but like he can't his boss basically just takes everything out on him in front of his kid Mm -hmm. and it's funny because kevin had been wondering like one what does my dad do and two why does he always come home so upset Mm -hmm. you know he'll come in and like just rush and throw you know wrangle his tie down and throw his suitcase his briefcase away and you know just not talk and he has that experience and he watches his dad just get beat down again and again at the office mm-hmm. and he feels so bad for him and uh that when he comes back home he acts just like his dad coming through <laughs> oh, the yes. house and <laughs> wrenching his tie off uh-huh. and throwing his stuff and being grumpy and you he you know lived life in his shoes for a day yep. and 
can understand his dad a little bit better. The stuff he goes through to provide for his family. Yes, and you know, ultimately, that's that's the that's the reason that he does everything he does is for to be able to take that's care right. of his family. That's so. right. Uh, he's a gruff man, but uh, he he's a he he's a good dad. Ultimately, I think. Who, so who played him? Yeah, this was played by Dan Loria, mm-hmm. and you you know you would recognize him. He's been in other things, mostly te- television. But this is one of those roles where, like, I can't picture anybody else right. as Jack Arnold. Mm-hmm. He was so good in this role of the gruff husband and father. Um, and this is what he's most known for, of course. Right. But uh, so Dan Loria played Jack on TV and it's part of The Wonder Years, which aired on ABC in January of 1988 and all the way through May of 1993 for six seasons and 115 episodes. So made uh, quite a mark. And he had another distinction of this character being killed off mm-hmm. the very last episode. Well, yeah. he, he wasn't killed off like on screen or anything, but they did a nice summary of where is everybody? What happened to everybody? And mm-hmm. then like in passing, they're like, Wayne moved into the family business after dad died two years ago. And you're like, what? <laughs> this character you love, the show's about to end, and they're like, oh yeah, he dies. Yeah, he, what? He, he retires, starts his own business, and then dies two years later. <laughs> yeah, so awful. So, I mean, it's realistic, you know, it, that kind of stuff does happen, but it was a gut punch because you grew to love this guy so much. But anyway, all right. So Jack Arnold at the number seven seed, versus Phil Banks at the number two seed. I don't think it's much of a competition. <laughs> I wouldn't really want Jack Arnold as my dad. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could I could totally pull in a bear hug for Uncle Phil. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I agree. Phil, I, I think Uncle Phil takes it here. So Yeah. So we, you know, our seating has been kind of on point. Sorry, we haven't really mixed it up with any upsets yet, but yeah. that's yet to be seen because now we're rolling into the semifinals. Oh my gosh, and Preston, I cannot believe it. So we have a, now our matchups are going to be Mike Brady versus Jason Seaver and Dan Connor versus Phil Banks. These are some mighty, mighty battles. Yeah, the number one and number four seed versus the number three and number two seed. Man, this is like Gonzaga versus Duke or something. It's crazy. I know. All right. Well, I say we just get right into it. Let's and do we it. We don't have to, you know. I we we've seen we've seen the clips. We've seen the clips. We we've don't need to revisit it that much. Who's your go for? Who goes ahead? Number one, Mike Brady versus number four, Jason Cedar. <sighs> Man, while I think it's neat, I think Jason Seaver is the evolution of Mike Brady. Mm-hmm. Right. But there, there's something about the original. He's on a pedestal. I'm torn because he's too idyllic. Yeah. I don't think he's authentic enough. Okay. I, I think I think that Jason Seaver is a much more authentic interpretation of the modern father. Yes. Okay. So I, I'm really struggling here, Brian. All right. Well, how about this? Would you rather... Would you rather watch The Brady Bunch or Growing Pains? <laughs> I would rather watch Growing Pains. Yeah, me too. So, Mike's Mike Brady, you're one of the OGs. Mm-hmm. But you're getting you're getting thrown off your throne 
by Jason Seaver. An upset at number four. There it goes. Number four wow. taking out number one. Wow. What what an upset. I know. But Man. I mean I think like I, I that's I think it all makes sense. It makes total sense to me. Yeah. Well, you know, it always felt a little dated watching the Brady Bunch, even though right. you know, we were close in, in time to that era. But Jason Seaver was just a lot more relatable, mm-hmm. a little more fun. And I would say, you know, I understand it's it's a sign of the times, but you know, Jason Seaver had fun with his kids, but he dealt with some really serious stuff, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, that was during that time period where you had like, I don't, I'm not going to say they had to have episodes about drugs, you know, but like they dealt with some serious stuff. Like, like uh, the Seaver family, I can't remember their daughter's name. Do you remember their daughter's name? Oh gosh. I know the actress, Tracy gold. Yeah. So she, she was dating a guy and it was a serious relationship. He they got drunk and he drunk drove. They got in a wreck and he died. And so like there was like a whole like storyline about dealing with that and, and like the grief of that and how she wasn't dating because she didn't want to open up to somebody again and lose them again like that. And so you had some real heartfelt discussions between him and her about that. You know, you had cocaine talks <laughs> with Mike. So yeah, you know, like I don't know. I I he I think that that show i think that that dad takes it in that one that's that's you heard it here (laughs) first folks uh jason sievers moving on to the final round but let's see who can we advance between the matchup between number three dan connor from roseanne versus number two seed phil banks from fresh prince of bel-air what do you think gosh these are two lovable big guys yeah they're both great dads they are both great dads and I, <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, these dads, similar to Jason Seaver, like they both dealt with, they were both funny and like the butt of a lot of jokes, mm-hmm. but they also dealt with serious family stuff, you yeah. know, and they had to have those conversations with their kids. Um, both of them, like there are some very serious episodes of both of these shows where they, they were a major part of, so... So we're taught here's here's another way to think though. We're framing it as a TV dad, right? Yeah, uh-huh. And while I think that Dan Connor is like an auth- more authentic dad like as compared to real life. Yeah. For the boxes that you need to check to be a TV dad, uh-huh. I think Phil Banks checks more of okay. those boxes. I can see that. And I I will say Dan Connor that character had like a weird evolution over time where he became a more realistic dad. Yeah. Cause at the beginning he was like when he had the shaggy hair, he was just like a lug. Yeah. And like, there wasn't a lot of development for him and stuff like that. He uh-huh. was just kind of a background character. Cause Roseanne was the, was the, the show. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, whereas uncle Phil, I think, I feel like he was a focus for the entire run of that show. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uncle Phil takes it. Uncle Phil takes it. All right. He's our highest seed. That's still left in the game. So that leaves our final matchup between the number two seed, Phil Banks, and the number four seed, Jason Seaver. Wow. Well, what do you say? I So here's what I say. I think <laughs> Phil Banks takes this. I think Phil Banks <laughs> okay. takes it. Right. I think Phil Banks dunks on Jason Seaver yep. and puts him back in his office. Wow. That think is... about that for a while, Jason yeah. Seaver. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it, it's it's amazing. And, uh, you know, I wonder, like, going into this, who did you think was going to win before we, we did everything? Um, Before we talked it all out, I thought Willie's hand was going to take it all the way. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Um, You know, I let Brian – so Brian and I picked four each. Uh-huh. Um, what were your four picks? Remind us. Mine uh, were Willie Tanner, Carl Winslow, um, uh, Phil Banks, and, and Jason Seaver. Yeah, Jason Seaver. Sorry, I skipped mm-hmm. over it. Uh, and so that leaves that my picks were Mike Brady and Dan Connor, Stephen Keaton, and Jack Arnold. Now I thought uh, I thought Jack Arnold would rank a little higher. Stephen Keaton would rank a little lower. But I honestly I thought that. Jason Seaver might be a little higher, and I thought Dan Connor might have a chance to take it all. Yeah, you know when um yeah I when I saw your list because so I, I picked my four very early on. Out of my four, I assumed that Carl Winslow was going to do very well. Yeah, and he was knocked out in the first round. But the um oh no he wasn't yeah he was he was knocked out in the first round. And so um when I saw your list. Uh, I was like, I was like, man, I just don't know who's gonna take it. And so I, I seated them. I mm-hmm. seated these people. And the reason that I seated Steve Keaton above Jack Arnold is because, like, Jack Arnold's like kind of a jerk. Yeah. Right. And so, like, and and like, even though I wasn't as familiar with Steve Keaton, like, I know, I know that that show had a lot of impact, and that I thought that that character is interesting. Yeah. And so that's that's why I seated him higher than Jack Arnold. But yeah, I, well, and you know, I didn't disagree with your number one seating of Mike Brady because uh-huh. he is like the archetype. He's like the quintessential dad. Yeah. And so I would not have been surprised if he took it home all the way, but I kind of didn't want him to win. Yeah. Because you know, mm-hmm. so many other choices are better. <laughs> so oh, I'm happy with it. <laughs> I'm happy with it too. Way to go, Uncle Phil. <laughs> and, you know, it's Uncle Dad. I wonder. I, like I wonder if if people listening or people watching, like like you know, people get so angry about lists you know and essentially uh-huh. that's what these brackets are is they wind up just being a list um so but uh i i think i think it's interesting I, i'm glad that uncle phil won because like i said like that he uncle phil has some range like, yeah you know he covers a lot of stuff so well what did you think of our list what did you think of our rankings and who won it all um who did we miss who do you think should have won what do you think get in touch with us you can contact us um, on Twitter, I'm at Squared Stiff on Twitter. Brian, where can they find you? I am at B.E. Grantham, and you can find the show at Wayback underscore Attack. Uh, you can also email the show at WaybackAttackShow at gmail.com. Gmail. So, uh, but yeah, you know, look forward. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>